0: The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.
1: Welcome to the newly rebranded Provoke Podcast. For those of you that are listening, you probably know we have rebranded The Holmes Report as Provoke and this podcast um, has gone from being the echo chamber to being the Provoke podcast. So I'm Arthi Shaw. I'm your host for today's episode. And today's episode is incredibly timely. It's about data distrust and how sort of consumers are taking data security and privacy matters into their own hands and what that ultimately means for brands. On today's show, I have Melissa Kinch and Lisa Sullivan, both of whom are partners at Ketchum and are hugely qualified to talk about this subject because of a study that they commissioned at Ketchum specifically looking at this. Welcome to the show, Lisa and Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. OK, so I looked through the tech ruptors. That's, that's the right word, right? Yes. right. Um, yes. I looked through the, 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 the information you all sent me. And of course, I remember because we talked about it at the Innovation Summit earlier this year. And one thing, I guess just to help our listeners kind of cue into this, and we'll, of course, include links to some of the posts that you sent me for them, but do you want to define what a tech ruptor is?
2: Absolutely. The tech rupture to us is a digitally native, typically younger consumer um, who are on the one hand, they're the most tech savvy. They read the most um, technology content. They read tech blogs. They read tech media. They're the people that friends and family turn to for advice and counsel on technology. But at the same time, they're also, in many ways, the most skeptical or the most cynical about the role of technology in people's lives. So to us, they, they represent a really important subset of the general population. That that has a lot of power to influence the way
1: that consumers are adopting technology. And so, and this is different than a millennial, because what That's you're describing right. is very similar. Yeah, That's there's right. probably a Venn diagram overlap. <laughs> there, <laughs> is, there is, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm.
2: But I think for, for us so you are thinking about um, what's happening in, for a lot of tech brands with employee activism? There's a lot of crossover in the, with the Venn diagram with, right. with that group mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a heavy propensity towards millennials for sure, right. um,
1: but it's a group that we're defining more psychographically than demographically. Right, right. So you can you can be a you can be a Boomer and be a tech raptor. Exactly. Right. Um, I'm sure Boomer listeners are probably excited to hear that. <laughs> um, so okay, so and and for listeners, this is this is Lisa, um, one of the, the co-leads. For, for Ketchum's um, technology practice and Melissa, the, uh, the other co-ladies here as well. Um, so a question that I had about the, the, the study, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and it seems so obvious in retrospect, but when I read it, it's jumped out at me, is that there is a difference between data security and data privacy and people use those terms almost interchangeably. Do you all want to talk a little yeah. bit about that?
0: Yeah, so um, it's interesting because I think a lot of brands have done a lot on cybersecurity and focusing on that and thinking that the public and, and this tech rupture audience is very concerned about it, and they are, but we found that they're just as concerned about data privacy, um, meaning what brands are doing with their data, how they're collecting it, and sharing it, analyzing it, selling it, and what we found so interesting in, in the study is that we think... People will forgive brands on a cybersecurity breach. They're not happy about it. It's not great, but they know that there's a criminal element attacking that company, and everyone's a victim. But with data privacy, we think they're going to be much less forgiving of brands when people really understand what brands are doing with their um, data, especially if they're selling it or manipulating it in a way that consumers don't think they gave permission to or don't understand. And we think we're just getting to the point that people are really waking up and understanding how much of their data is really out there and brands are doing things with it. So a big part of this study is talking about, we all really need, as brands, need to focus on data privacy as much, if not more, from a communication standpoint than cybersecurity, um, because we really think it's going to drive reputation in the future.
1: That really stood out to me, that consumers are much more forgiving for security breach, an external security breach from a reputation standpoint than internally if if their data is being used by the company internally. So I'm curious about whether you've seen any behavior change on the back of of data privacy, in particular, because you know I think yeah. was it Mark Zuckerberg that like famously said that privacy is like an outdated yeah. notion, right? Um, and I'm and I'm wondering you know, are we actually seeing consumers change their behavior on the back of these concerns? We
2: are. We found from the data this year that people are um, turning off location more frequently than they have done in the past. Um, People have deleted apps from their phone with with greater frequency than they have done from our our study the previous year. Um, So people are changing the way that they interact with technology. They're also changing the way that they're thinking about regulation. Um, There's an increased propensity, especially among that, that tech corruptor audience. Again, there's an increased inclination for people to be calling for um, greater regulation, for fines for companies that are, are mis- misusing their data, um, and for the breakup of big tech companies.
0: It's, it's really interesting. I'll just add, last year, the second year we've done the study, uh, one of the big findings that kind of led us down this tech rupture path was people were saying, like 85 to 90% of people were saying they're not comfortable with companies selling their data. And yet, half, if not more, were saying they're doing all their shopping online. And we saw this massive disconnect, but last year we didn't really ask, okay, are you willing to take action? So this year when we repeated the study, we really went kind of deep on how serious are you about wanting regulations, how serious are you about things like um, turning off location and other things. So we tried to dive into that behavior. People are self-reporting that they're doing it more and more.
1: So, you know, it seems like there's this trade off between convenience, right, and mm-hmm. and giving up some amount of privacy. We were even just in a, in a judging session last week, and there was a question about what, how you could use your data when you signed into the Wi Fi. And most of the judges didn't even notice, and they just checked, you know, they, they just wanted to get on their Wi Fi. One judge did notice that, and he pointed, and he actually asked the rest of the judges, he said, Did, did you all agree to that? And he Said that he didn't agree to it and he was still able to access the data. But it, it really mm-hmm. brought home to me this idea that, like, in the moment, this momentary convenience seems to trump, like, you know, these bigger considerations. And so how are you all saying that, like, tech ruptors are weighing that? I mean, to your point about people want to online shop, they want Amazon, they want an Echo in their living rooms. How are they weighing um, convenience with security? It's interesting. In that example, there was no actual trade-off,
2: right? Yeah, right, Right, Yes. So I think people Mm -hmm. are starting to be more aware of that. Kind of uh, whether there is a trade off or not, they're being more aware of it. We certainly found. I mean, last year people were clicking accept without reading terms and conditions at really high rates. Again, self-reported, but I think probably that's accurate. Right. Um, but I think we're we're starting to
1: see people take a little bit more notice. So because, and I think you all referenced this in your, um, in the study, that, I mean, these like multi-page legalese, you know, terms and conditions, it's really tough for people. And especially when they're in that moment and they're just trying to download the app because they're like, oh, I need to access something. How do, like, what should brands do? I mean, do you think that if you're a company, what would be your counsel? Should they have a distilled User friendly version of that so people know exactly what they're signing on for? Yeah.
0: We would say yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the challenge today is most of these, most brands um, are using a lot of legal speak and legal things like sign this consent and kind of hiding behind that because most consumers, A, aren't going to take the time because of the convenience factor, but also when you read a lot of those, it's hard to understand them yeah. unless you are a lawyer. Right. Um, and so for a long time, it was kind of seen, I think, as okay, we're protected, you know. But consumers, as Lisa said, are waking up. And um, what we're talking about is, are you giving consumers enough control and choice? Do they truly have the ability um, to understand what's going on, and can they make a choice? The other thing we talk a lot about with the tech is they want to understand the sausage making. So what we mean by that is they want to understand, what are you doing with their data? How are you collecting it? Not everyone, but they want to know if they have those questions, they can get the answers. And so we're encouraging brands to be more transparent um, to give more control and choice, to make it available for people who want to know what
2: you're doing, um, to take those steps and, and try and have some transparency. I think one, one thing we'll be looking out for in the next year is how many brands bake it into their brand versus using their legalese and hiding behind right. the, you know, it, it, it's, it's one. It's one thing to just have that terms and conditions or terms of use and have people accept it. It's another to make the responsible use of data part of your, your right. brand promise. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be really interesting to see how some brands react to that and maybe start baking that um, responsible
1: use of data into their brand promise versus just the the, you know, the legal document. How much of that are you seeing? Because you know you also mentioned regulation, and I'm wondering yeah. how many brands and companies are trying to get ahead of that and trying to like you said, you know, bake it into what they what, what their brand purpose is really. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious, like what's yeah. the state of that?
0: Uh, you know, I think we see a handful of brands in different categories because this is not just core tech brands, right? It is retail, it is financial services, it is healthcare, anyone who's doing anything with data. Um, and we see examples of a handful of brands, um, including some of our clients that are looking at doing some things next year that are looking to get ahead um, of, of this and, and try and be a leader. But we see a lot of brands who aren't. And I'll tell you, last year at CES and throughout this past year, you know, we've talked to a lot of brands and we have had a lot say, I hope the media doesn't ask us about our data privacy policy because I don't know what we'd say. Oh, um, wow. Well, Coming from pretty senior communications mm-hmm. people and brand people. Um, and we've talked to a lot of different brands and some really are struggling um, and the communication teams in particular are struggling because um, they're not making the decisions about data privacy. Um, so we see both. We see like a handful. I think we anticipate in 2020 there will be a handful of leaders that are really going to try and step out and be leaders. and talk about transparency, give consumers more control, and then I think there'll be a majority that are kind of in a wait and see mode um, and hoping the public doesn't turn. we, We see that as a very dangerous proposition.
1: I mean, it seems like outside of the tech corruptors, there's a lot of the consumers are probably in a wait and see mode, right? They're like, well, right now I'm giving away all this data, but maybe yeah. the government will come in and intervene or like there'll be some sort of forces that will, you know, protect my privacy in a way that it's not right now. So it, it sort of feels like a lot of like both the brands and the consumers are in a right. wait and see mode. Yeah. So and you, you mentioned 2020. So that's a good jumping off point to, to talk a little bit about two things. One is as we go into an election cycle, how much do you think data privacy and you know, these these tech companies, these massive tech companies sitting on so much personal information. Um, how much do you think that's going to be an issue going into the election cycle?
2: Well, I think, um, for one thing, we, the, the whole issue around regulation is going to come up more and more. Um, you know, you've got some of the uh, presidential candidates even making it part of their campaign programs. So mm-hmm. I think the, the questions around regulation and around the breakup of big tech, I think we're going to see more and more of that as we go into the, into the election cycle.
0: Well, we saw in the study... About two-thirds of the American population, both on conservative and liberals, are super concerned about technology disrupting the election, concerned about foreign intervention, fake news, even manipulation of voting machines. We were surprised the numbers were as high as they were. And so our concern is, no matter what the outcome of the 2020 presidential election is, if your candidate is not the one who wins, the other you will think it has been manipulated. Um, and there will be accusations of that and a- It's an eroding of trust in the democratic process. And that's what we're most concerned about. And the numbers are high. Like I said, about 2 thirds of the population are saying, yeah, I'm totally concerned about this.
1: That It was shockingly high. And just, and again, listeners, I'll I'll put a link to the blog post that has all the stats. But I mean, 63% are worried about foreign interference. Um, 60% are worried about the technology issue of the databases. 60% are worried about voting machines. I mean, the implications for democracy are pretty big here if the people don't trust the process. Exactly. Um, Is there, I mean, is there anything that can be done at this stage? Like, what, what, how would you counsel somebody to sort of help build trust with the voting public right now? Well,
0: I mean, you, we see some brands trying to step out, and some social media brands are trying to make some policies about issues ads and political ads. Right. Um, we can debate if that's going to work or not, but I think it's a step at least trying to address the problem. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to transparency. You know, I mean, yeah. I think that's what people are most afraid of, especially when you talk about things like uh, social uh, fake news, social media manipulation, transparency about who's communicating and where they're getting the data from. And is, are people's data being sold for political purposes? Uh, that's probably the most paramount thing, is how do we get to a point of transparency in this process so that people can
2: feel that the information or the news they're getting can be trusted. We, we see a, a lot of brands, both clients and, and prospects that we speak to, um, almost holding back, communicating until they feel like they have all the answers, right. until they have everything solved. And particularly for that tech to audience, as Melissa said, they want to understand the sausage making, they want to see what's happening under the hood, and they recognize that this stuff is really hard. Yeah. Right? And and I feel like they, they won't trust if a brand says they have all the answers, because they know that that's probably not going to be the case for some time. So that transparency and being able to share that you know we understand this is difficult, we're working on it. This is this is our intent. This is where we this is the direction we're, we're headed. Um,
1: is is of a, a, a huge benefit. So to your yeah to your point about a lot of brands were sort of holding back and yeah. waiting until there was. I mean, it seems like that's increasingly not an option, right? right. Um, unless I think you were kind of alluding to the you know the Twitter, Facebook. You know, Twitter mm-hmm. has made a decision right. not to run political ads. Facebook continues to do so, and that I will say that has come up in pretty much every single conversation since that decision has been made. Yeah. That I had with communicators and, and, you know, whether this is actually going to force Facebook right. to, to make a decision either way. And, but it's not just these two social media companies, right? I mean, it's, I mean, Google's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different other players involved. So a question going back to tech again, because I was, you know, because Lisa, you were saying how they, they want to get behind the scenes and see how the sausage is made. How big of a of the general population are tech ruptors. And are they, is it is it just because, I mean, they were relative. are they a relatively small group, but they have outsized influence and that's why brands should be paying attention to them? It's about 40% okay. of the population. So Wow. It's a, it's a reasonable, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a
0: reasonable size, I think 38%. Uh, we saw that number jump from last year. So yeah. we see more and more people coming in this category, possibly because we see people maturing who are digital natives into right. adulthood, mm-hmm. um, but
1: also because people are becoming more aware. I'm curious if you all have any insight into how Gen Z, like, how they fit into tech ruptors. Are they just natural-born tech ruptors, and so is that number going to continue to grow as they mature and enter the workforce?
0: It's interesting. We tried to dive into that. When we tried to, to drive, dive really into Gen Z, and I'll be honest, we didn't have quite enough statistical data from the whole adult publication to make major sure. announcements about it, but the indications that we saw is that they were even more concerned. Um, they were, actually had more fear of these mm-hmm. issues. And um also were more concerned about technology's role in their life. Obviously, completely adopted. They use it in every part of their life. Again, they're digital natives, as we know. But you saw numbers uptick for that 18 to... 24-year-old, and they were actually more concerned than the broader kind of millennials or gen zennials or people in their 20s and Mm -hmm. 30s as a whole. We just didn't have quite enough statistical to put it out in the news, but we're seeing directionally that actually they're more concerned.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, because they are, because I think we just sort of said, by we, I mean like gen whatever whatever we all are in this room. We're, we're not Gen Z. You're being That's very hot. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> well, we, are, we are not Gen Z. That's all I do know. Um, unless someone of you is 22 and I don't know. Um, but, you know, I mean, we sort of like the technology. We just sort of said, okay, well, we want right. this stuff. But they, because they've always had this stuff. It's like, all right, well, this stuff exists. But, you know, right. what do I have to do to, to access it and still can have control of my own information? Um, one other question I had about um, tech ruptors is, so it sounds like you sort of answered this, but are they concentrated in, like, these big urban areas? Because living in San Francisco, right, it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, everyone we yeah. know thinks this way. But, you know, when I visit my in-laws in Idaho, I just don't know how many are thinking about some of these right. issues.
0: We didn't see that much of a geographic difference yeah. across the country. Um, we think they're pretty, okay. pretty well spread. I mean, yeah. the data showed that it was pretty much hmm. across the nation, and we didn't see that much of a big breakdown. By region, we would suspect that in big tech hubs like San Francisco, sure. that we would see more. That just seems like common sense, but the data showed is pretty consistent across the country.
1: Was there a gender? Was there a gender imbalance at all?
0: Actually, I think what's most interesting, um,
1: women have more fears than men. Interesting. Yeah. Um, was so, there any insight into why that might be?
0: I think we would say women are more, I mean, I think we would, we would think of that women think a lot more about things like personal safety when it comes to things like data. Um, And those type of things Um, and
2: that may be what's leading to it we don't know for sure I think that's a a nice bridge though into another group that we were looking at specifically um, this concept of the sandwich generation and technology so we're finding that these people get most likely more more women um, from a from a family caregiving perspective but they're equally concerned about the role of technology for their children and for their parents and grandparents yes so there's that Mm -hmm. um, there's that your tech rupture audience where there's starting to have families of their own right but they're also caregivers for older generations who are not as savvy technically right. um, and there's a, a real fear that they're vulnerable to being exploited um, from a from a data perspective by you know by a, a, right. any, any number of brands right um, so they're stuck really in, in that in that middle there, caring about the younger generation and the older generation
1: and feeling very responsible right. for protecting um, protecting their families oh that's really interesting um, so, is there anything? Because I know I know we have to we have to wrap up in a few minutes. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that either of you think would be really interesting to our listeners? That you, you, you I know you've been immersed in the in the yeah. data. And if, and if you don't, and, and also I'm also curious. This is two part question. Um, what's next? Like yeah. what's next in this tech rupture? Well, one thing,
0: and we alluded to it throughout the conversation, but this number was really striking. Almost seventy five percent, three quarters of people said. Companies have gotten worse in the last year. trust They trust them less when they say they fixed the problem around things like security or, or being truthful about data. They trust them less. Um, they think they're doing a worse job. And so just from kind of, we did this, I think, in August, year to year, um, people are self-reporting. They're growing more concerned. It's worse. Companies are doing a worse job. Um, and again, three-quarters, 75%. Wow. That's pretty high. And so we saw that alarming and that that's really a wake-up call um, that people and brands and companies need to pay attention to.
1: Do you think that was a reflection of just sort of we hit this break, this critical inflection point around awareness, like a, you know, on the back of Cambridge Analytica, and suddenly if there was this like, light bulb went off in everybody's head, so like, wait a second, yeah. this isn't innocuous.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And I also... Think that technology and using technology in every part of our life is becoming more and more and more, and that creates a lot of great benefits. Um, but it also creates more of a question of what's happening with all this when you have to do all your financial and banking online, and your healthcare is moving online, and you're doing more online at work, and how it begins to bring up these questions at the same time that all that news is breaking.
1: Right. And then so what? what's next? What, what are you all looking at? So yeah, you have all of this great data yeah. that you're sitting on. And what are you planning on doing with that? Or is there going to be another part of the study?
0: So a couple things. I mean, Lisa talked a little bit about the sandwich generation. We're actually going to be um, launching some of that data more publicly in the first quarter of the year. And we'll be talking more from a consumer perspective, what does that mean and family dynamics. So we're going to go a little bit deeper on that. We have the data, we just haven't really released it yet. The other thing we'd really like to get to and, and we're thinking about is doing some kind of kind of a pulse polling. That we can really have an index that shows a tipping point when are these things really getting to that that red alarm perspective and, and open that up for our clients and allow them to opt in on that and get that information before anyone else.
1: Right, and it and it sounds like you know you've seen a, a jump in the number of you know the percentage of the population that are tech raptors, and I'm assuming you expect that number to continue to grow, especially as these issues become right. more and more in the forefront. Yeah. Wow, well thank you, Melissa and Lisa. This was a really interesting discussion, and again, listeners, I will have all of the links to this great data um in the show notes awesome thank Thank you. you all right well that concludes another episode of the echo chamber and we will be back in a few weeks and that concludes what is my first episode of the provoke podcast i want to thank our guests lisa and melissa for joining us and again we'll be back soon with another episode of the provoke podcast
0: you've been listening to the provoke podcast brought to you by provoke media and produced by the international broadcast specialist Marketeers.